Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter Uplift Desk, a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work. And that's just the beginning of what Uplift Desk has to offer. With an emphasis on ergonomics and customization, Uplift Desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals. Whether you're coding, designing, or podcasting, like I am right now, the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality. What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer one of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom convo. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Again, onepassword.com slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepassword.com slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. Hi, I'm Brittany Wagner, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Mike Barty. I'm really excited to get to talk to Brittany Wagner today and have a productive conversation with her. She is the breakout star of Last Chance You, the first two seasons. And uh, the fact that she's got a book out, we were able to chat about that. Next Chance You is the book. And, you know, I mean, I didn't know what to expect going into this conversation initially. 
In fact, I even mentioned to her right out of the gate that I started to watch some of the series, and then I completely understood why I wanted to have a conversation with her. So we get into the idea of choice. We get into the idea of overwhelm. We get into a whole bunch of stuff during this conversation. It went in places that I both expected it to go in terms of the questions that I was wanting to ask her, and then into places I didn't know it was going to go. And that's all because Brittany is a fascinating person to have a conversation with. So let's get to it. A productive conversation with Brittany Wagner. Brittany, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today on the podcast. I'm really excited to have this opportunity to chat with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So uh, before we hit record, I was completely transparent and, and I mentioned to you like I've, I had last chance you on my Netflix queue for a while. But like most people, you add things to your queue and then you look at the shiny <laughs> new stuff that shows up. And then also you're like, wait, you know, I should probably watch the stuff that's in my list. So I'm like, well, I, I'm going to be talking to Brittany. So let me let me dig into this a bit because I had chan- I went through the book called Next Chance You, Tools, Tips, and Tough Love for Bringing Your A-Game to Life. And I, and I said, I want to see this in action. And so I, I watched some episodes. And wow, it was like one of those things where uh, I didn't expect – to get what I got, but it was like you, there was just such an, uh, an authenticity that I really like, cause reality television can be one of those things where it looks kind of like, you know what I mean? Like it can, it can, it can come off a bit, you know, I mean, it script overly scripted, so on and so forth, but there, I didn't get that vibe. So when I want to know the lessons that you took from that experience, and putting them into this book, like, were there any things that anything that when you went through the process of those first two seasons, because that's that's how long you were on for, that's how long that that uh, that went through for you. How, were there any things that you know you took from that experience? You're like, you know, I need to apply this to the writing of this book, like making sure that the 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 authenticity, the vulnerability, the and and, and frankly, the the moxie, like, because you were here amongst like these. I mean, you were. I remember seeing the one scene in 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 the first episode where uh, all you're talking to all the athletes, and you're just bringing it. You're telling them like it, and and they're like, all right, and and and. But yet there was no. But it wasn't like I am the authority figure, and you are you you are beholden to me. It was a very. It was it was great candor. So. What what lessons from that whole experience of filming that that were you able to bring to the book? Say like you know I need to bring that level of candor, vulnerability, and authenticity to the book. Yeah, I think. Well, first of all, I think when I was filming the show, nowhere in my brain was there a book. Right. I never thought. I never thought anyone would watch the show. So I surely never thought anyone would care what I had to say <laughs> in a book. And then. Uh, you know, years later, people still seem to care what I have to say. So I decided to write the book. And I think you're you're spot on. Um, there was no ghostwriter, <clears throat> which might be obvious. I don't know. But, it was, very, <laughs> but I, it, was, it was a very conversational read, which I appreciate because I know that some – you're right. Blogs read different than, blo- than, than books, read different than conversations. But because I – I think people who pick up this book will be familiar from you from the show as well, right? You know, there's going to be that, there's not going to be that leap there, which I think is good in this instance. So uh, yeah. I, the, the fact you didn't, I mean, I'm glad you didn't use a ghostwriter because I think it would have come off completely differently. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought, I realized that I am, I was smart enough to know and had enough awareness to know that the thing that I think people gravitated towards was the genuineness and the authenticity of the show, kind of just my, my candor and, and with the athletes. And so I knew that I, I had to do that in the book, that I needed to be genuine, that I needed to write it myself, that it needed to have kind of the Southern, a lot of people gravitated towards the accent and the Southernness of the show. And so, you know, I knew, which that's who I am. So it's not like I was faking it. Right. Um, But I knew I needed to bring a little bit of that. I did have editors from other parts of the country. And so a couple of times the editors would come back and X out a Southern slang. And I would say, nope, we're leaving it in. (laughs) You're not Xing out that one. Um, You know, so yeah, I think that I very much tried to do that. The thing that was the hardest for me about the book, because I didn't really do it in the show, was my personal life. Mm. 
you know, in the show, there's the two scenes of, you know, in both one scene in both seasons, really, of me and my daughter. But it's very, it's very vague, and it's five seconds. I mean, you're getting a very small snippet of what being a single mom and, you know, my home was like. And so I think, book, I realized that it was really important for me to be honest and for me to be open about my own life because I don't, I didn't want people to see me as I'm up here and you're down here and I'm preaching to you and telling you, you know, all the things that you're doing wrong or that you need to do better. I wanted to come from a place of, look, I, I am here with you. Like I, I am on my face too. Mm -hmm. And and I, so in order to do that, I had to be honest about my real, my life and the things that I've been through and the things that I still struggle with. And, and that was hard because I now know that once you put something out there, you can't take it back. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. you know? And so there was like this moment where it was like, do I really want everyone to know, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I've been in therapy my whole life and that I, <laughs> I mean, am I really wanting everyone to know these things? And so but the answer is yes, because I, I don't, you know, I, I think it's important for everyone to know that we're all a product of our experiences and we've all been through stuff that we're not real excited to share, but the vulnerability is where the growth happens. And, um, so I got in the fetal position on the floor and <laughs> just put it all out there. <laughs> it, it, it reminds me a bit of the another show that my, my wife and I have been watching called The Morning Show where Jennifer Aniston's character like has to write that part of, in the book that she doesn't really want. Like her editor's like, you got to put that in the book. Like, no, but no. I'm like, no, that's the thing. So in, in yeah. the show, you're right. You offered those glimpses, but people are like, I want to know more because the relatability factor. Um, so many people write books that say, here's how you can bring your A game and here's how you can live your best life. And then they're coming from this place of, you know, privilege or, um, you know, this place of uh, they, they've never really lived in, quote, the real world. Right. Like they've always had this. And and that did not come across in this book, which which means that and especially in the relationship that you had in the show with, again, my limited experience watching it with the with the athletes, with the younger people there, that it was there was no sense of elitism or this status that was there. Um, how important is it, you know, for people who are going to pick up this book? And and I love the title Next Chance You, right? Like the idea of, um, you know, there's more to it than just one chance and then there's the last chance. Because, I mean, the whole premise of that 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 show was like they the last chance should lead to the next chance. How important was it for you to break down this book in a way that people who lead crazy, hectic lives like you, single mom – doing, you know, doing all the things could distill it down and go, these are actionable steps that I can take bit by bit. How important was that for you to put into this book and, and, and maybe explain the process of you saying, here's why I, these things made it into the book. Yeah. I, you know, it was super important to me because how many books have I read? I'm a self-help guru. If you read, you know, if there's a self-help book out there, chances are I've read it, but how many have I read that I've gotten to the end and thought, okay, well, that was good. And now what? (laughs) And now what do I do with all of this information that has now left my brain because it was so complicated. Right. And I did not want that. You know, I wanted, look, because I, just like in the show, you know, people are like, why, why were you at East Mississippi Community College in Scuba, Mississippi? Like of all places, why were you there? And I was there because that was where I felt like I could impact the most people. Mm -hmm. That's where I felt like I had the, the ability to, change the most lives in that amount of time. And the same goes for the book. Why write a book if you're going to write it and, and you're not changing anyone's life Mm -hmm. and no one's going to be able to take anything out of it and use it to, to help themselves. And that was really the purpose of me writing it was to say, okay, but I want it to be, I want, I want steps. Like I want people to read that and think like, oh, I can do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> something that's so far over my head that, that I'm reading it and then going, eh, put that on the shelf. So there was that moment where it was like, you know, what, what can I, and, and again, I took a lot of my own things I've actually done. I mean, I, I, t- I think I tell the story in the book. I think it's, it's a chapter on growth. And interestingly enough, when the show came out, the word mo- used most to describe me was patient. 
Right. And, and, you know, every, every article you read, oh, this patient woman, this patient, she has so much patience, 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 patience. And the funny thing about that was about, about a year before we started filming the show, I really had hit a wall, I felt like, in my ability to relate and help these athletes. And I started looking at, okay, what can I do? Like, I, it's, it's me, you know, I can't blame everyone else here. Like, I, I'm not where I, who I need to be. And so I made a list of the qualities that I felt like, you know, I needed to have in order to be the best counselor I could be. And on the top of that list was patience. And I, and I had to be honest with myself, whoopsie, you know, like this is the, <laughs> this is the quality that I need to be effective. And this is the one that I am, I don't have, I'm not a patient person. Right. And so I worked for a solid year. I, I wore the rubber band around my wrist. I tell that story in the book. And every time I felt like I came back with a snappy comment or was quick to judge or just did, wasn't exhibiting the patience, I would snap myself with that rubber band and then make myself redo the situation right then and there with some patience. And I, I worked on it hard for, for a year, not really knowing if I had actually made the change or not, because I don't think we give ourselves the credit and grace that we deserve sometimes. So I, right. I don't know that I really recognized that I had actually done it. Until mm-hmm. I watched the show. Right. Well, and the interesting thing is is what you did is you put some simple tactics in place to try to do it, right? Like the whole like elastic right. thing, which is – and not only that, I think that the the key thing as you go through a book like this and, – and I believe me, I've not only read my fair share of, of personal growth and, and, and self-development books, but there's some that just seem so far-fetched. There's like no way that – you know, I mean – uh, you know, I, I love the work of David Goggins. I think he's a fantastic, you know, uh, per- person to look to. But you're like, I am not going to be the guy that, <laughs> that does that many pull ups. Right. I'm not that. But I get right. but he explains it. And I'm like, OK, so how how is that transferable? Right. And I think and and what was interesting about watching the show and then re- going through the book is that what you talk about in the book is number one, I think breaking things down, you've got the pencil exercises in here, right? Where people are supposed to write things down. And I think that's like to make it actionable and to have it stick. But not only that, uh, you don't create that the expectation, nor did you when I saw you dealing with the the athletes uh, at, at the university, at the college, um, of this has to happen all at once right now. Like you're like, the one scene that stands out. Right. And this is this is important. I think this relates to productivity is you bring up the point like what is the what is the grade point average that you need to get into into this school? Like, will a C get you there? And and of course, there was the joke like a C equals it was pretty funny. And and, and you let that roll because and you didn't go. No, no, no. Like you were very much like, like, this is the place. And yes, there has to be some levity to this situation. Right. But you're like, listen, you your expectations were were stunningly. um not just observant, but real, like they were realistic. Like, look, you're not going to get A's all the way through and you're, but you certainly aren't going to be the person that gets C's all the way through because you won't hit your goals. So let's get some balance there. And in the book you did, I I don't correct me if I'm wrong. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but your, your thought process is, look, you're not going to be able to do all these things all at once. So give yourself that grace, give yourself that. And what did it take for you to start going down that path? Cause it's someone who is really motivated and wants to help people. They, I think that's a struggle is that they want to be able to do it all to make, to, to make the world, to make the people they, they impact better in as many ways as possible. What did it take for you to realize like, Hey, listen, I can only do these things and build upon them as opposed to trying to do the the grand gesture of self-improvement for myself so I can impact others all at once. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating. Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. Developed through decades of research at the University of Southern California Longevity Institute, Prolon is not just another diet, it's a scientifically backed program designed to support your body's natural processes. Now keep in mind, this isn't about cutting out food, it's about providing your body with the right nutrients to enter a fasting state while still eating. The program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all carefully designed to support healthy blood sugar levels, cardiovascular health, and even reduce abdominal fat. 
and the convenience, well, it's unmatched. Everything you need comes in one box delivered right to your doorstep. Thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon for its health benefits, backed by Nobel Prize winning science. So if you're looking for a way to kickstart your health journey with all the benefits of fasting and none of the hunger, Prolon is the answer. And right now, Prolon is offering a productive conversation listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. That's P-R-O-L-O-N Life dot com slash timecrafting for this special offer. Again, that's prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. Check it out today. Ever found yourself deep in a project, your flow state so intense that the world around you just fades away? That's the magic zone where ideas take flight and your work truly comes to life. But what if, in a blink, it could all disappear? Hard drives fail, coffee spills, and yes, even the dreaded accidental delete happens. But fear not, because CrashPlan has your back. Don't wait for disaster to strike. Head over to CrashPlan.com timecrafting now for a free trial and secure your creations with their limited time buy one, get one offers. Supporting our sponsors means supporting this podcast, so take a moment to check them out. CrashPlan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection, specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations. CrashPlan ensures that every file, every idea, and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected. With CrashPlan Professional, you get unlimited backup for your computers, not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session. With CrashPlan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to CrashPlan.com timecrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one, get one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's CrashPlan.com timecrafting. Back up better with CrashPlan. You know, I think that came a lot from living in Mississippi my whole life, which I love that state. It, I, I, you know, I've got nothing but great things to say about it. But when you live in the poorest state in our country mm. and, you're, and you're faced with not having enough resources and not having enough opportunity and constantly having the negative labels placed on, you know, the people around you, you and the people around you. I think you start to become very resourceful, you know, Right. <laughs> if you, if you want to succeed in that, in that place, you become very resourceful, you know, at East Mississippi, they filmed me with football, but I had 200 athletes. Yeah. I worked with our entire athletic population. So I had 200 athletes. I was one person to 200 athletes. I couldn't do it all. And I wasn't going to be able to impact everyone in the same way. And I think it took me a while to get to that realization in my career that I wasn't a failure if, if a student athlete failed, or, or I don't even want to call it failed. If a student athlete didn't meet my expectation, mm-hmm. it didn't mean he was a failure. It didn't mean I was a failure. It just meant it didn't work yep. today. Yep. I mean, <laughs> you know, and, it, and I think you almost had to have that attitude or you, you wouldn't last. I mean, you're gonna, you were gonna burn out and quit and get so frustrated that you, you weren't gonna do it very long. And I had already been in the business 15 years, you know, when the show came around. So I had learned from a young age, you know, early on in my career. Look, if I'm gonna do this, then I've, I can't take this personally, and and I've got to, I've got to get an attitude here that I'm, I'm going to go all in and I'm going to do the work, but I'm not always going to have it right. I'm not always going to get it right. I'm not, every day is not going to be a good day, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that they're not always going to get it right. It's not, 
what I do for one student is not going to work for another. And, and I learned that it's okay for me to plant the seed. Right. That I, I'm, I'm not going to watch the transformation of every athlete in front of my face. But I have to have the attitude that I have planted the seed and someone else will water it. And it will grow for someone else. And, and, but it doesn't mean that I'm a failure. And I, I think I took that attitude and I expanded it to all areas of my life. You know, I got a divorce. Does that mean that I'm a failure in relationship? Nope. It just means on that day, that one didn't work out. Right. <laughs> you know, and so mm-hmm. it's like, well, here we go again. Let's try this again and again and again. And, and, and I think, you know, that's really where the mindset for the book came from is, look, you're not going to get it all right on the first try. You're probably not going to get it all right on the second try. And there may be chapters of this book that you, that, that, you know, you rip out and go, no, and that's, you know, and that's okay. But I think that it, it's the attitude of, of continuing to try, like continuing to put forth the effort and not getting in that mentality of it's never going to work. You know, I'm stuck. It's never going to happen because that's the dangerous spot to be in, in in a career, in a relationship, just in life. And that dangerous, negative self-talk of I suck, you know. And so that was really the point was find something to and continue to put one foot in front of the other in, in at least one area of your life. So I want to ask you a couple of quick questions um, about le- the learning that you went, not just uh, for uh, two questions about very different and where you learned things from. So first off, we'll talk about the book. As you were writing the book, Next Chance You, what did you learn about yourself going through that process? Oh, gosh, I learned, um, I learned I think how to be, honestly, I didn't, I did not consider myself a writer. I don't consider myself, I, you know, you read the book and you, and I tell you right off the bat, I never considered myself smart, really. I mean, in, in growing up and in, in getting an education, I never thought I was the smart one. And I think I learned through the process of writing that book that, that I am mm-hmm. like that, that I, that I, I am smart and I can write and I can tell stories really well. Um, and I don't know that I believed that about myself before writing the book. All right. Now I'm going to ask, it was, it was good. Yeah. I'm going to ask you another question now. I mean, obviously when you're in the throes of the role that you had at, uh, at the college, uh, you're teaching others, but certainly they're probably teaching you something. So what did you learn from the people that you were there to impact and help, what was what's maybe one thing that stands out? You're like, I learned this from from you know from either this particular athlete or from this group of athletes or from this you know this particular time that we were together, because I think a lot of people, especially when they write a book and they and the, there's this level of expertise that there's again this level of I know I, this is let me impart my wisdom. But we learn, I think we all learn from others along the way. So what would be an example of what you learned during the process of the role that you had? I think a specific example, I remember it like it was yesterday, was I had an athlete who, this happens in athletics a lot. You you have athletes who blatantly break the rules. They blatantly fail a drug test. They know they're going to be drug tested on this day at this time. And they go in and it comes back and they failed it. And you're like, really? You know, you knew. Why did you do it? You knew you were going to be drug tested. And I think I had that attitude a lot. Like, why can't you just do what you're supposed to do? You know, what's your problem? What's wrong with you? And I had an athlete one day who had failed a drug test. He was, he had moved on. He was at the next institution. He'd failed a drug test. And I could not, I was so mad. And he looked at me and he said, look, do you think I woke up like deciding that I was going to ruin my life today? Like, you think I woke up and like said, today's the day that I'm going to smoke and fail a drug test and blow it all away. And he's like, I, 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 don't, I didn't decide that. Like, it's not a decision that I made to ruin my life. I don't know how to cope with my life. And the coping mechanism that I learned at a very young age was to smoke. Right. So if you want me to not fail a drug test, teach me what I don't know. Like teach me how to cope 
with the pressure and stress of what is my life. And I guess I maybe knew that, you know, I mean, I knew that I was smart enough to know that, but I, I wasn't offering that to other people. You know, I was, I was coming in like a bulldozer with judgment for how, how can you not do better? And then when he in my car, he says that to me and I'm like, Oh my gosh. You know, (laughs) it's like, how have I been alive this long in my life without knowing this? Um, and it completely changed me, completely changed me that day. I mean, I don't think I ever went into a situation with that attitude again. It actually brings to, to light something you talk about in chapter nine, which is be the solution. And it sounds like in that experience, that's exactly what happened. That he was the solution. So I, I learned when I when I worked at Costco, I was a, one of the managers there. And I would bring a problem to the assistant warehouse manager. And he would say, if you're going to come to me with a problem, come to me with a solution. So it was very much like, so that, and that pattern. And it's really interesting to me that those little simple gotchas that kind of stick, right? Um, because there's a lot of experience I had in in that environment. But that one is the one I, I one of the one of the big ones I always take away is like, if you're going to come to, and I t- teach this to my kids, if you're going to come to me with a problem, come to me with a solution. Um how how important first off not even how important but why do you think people fail to do that why why in your experience because you probably come across more people that come across and don't tell you hey this is why this is you need to come to me with this co- you need to teach me how to cope not teach me how to to follow the rules but how to cope uh, why do you think it's so um, either challenging or so maybe there's there's this level of of um, lack of attention to this, but that people, when they come with a problem, whether it's, you know, related to, you know, jet life stuff, or it's related to athletics or, or academics or what have you, that, that they're, they're not as forthcoming with the solutions. Is it a lack of belief that they can come up with it? Is it a lack of insight? What, what do you think it is? Ever caught yourself marveling at the seamless magic of everyday tech, like how noise-canceling headphones block out the world or the sheer bliss of meeting-free Fridays? Now imagine if there was a way to bring that kind of magic into selling online. Well, guess what? There is, and it's called Shopify. From the moment you decide to launch your online shop to opening your first physical store, and even when you're pinching yourself because, yes, you just hit a million orders, Shopify is there to guide your growth. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or the latest productivity tools, Shopify supports you everywhere with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. The checkout, oh, it's a breeze for your customers, converting up to 36% better than other platforms. And with Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant, you're selling more with way less effort. And you won't be alone in your Shopify journey because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., supporting giants like Allbirds and Brooklinen and millions of entrepreneurs across 175 countries. Their award-winning support is always there, making sure businesses that grow, Grow with Shopify, and yours can be one of those businesses. And for those looking to level up, Shopify's endless integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to chatbots ensure your business is always ahead of the curve. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash timecrafting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. I think for adults and in authoritative situations, it's that we can sit, we want to sit in the problem because the problem is about somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how could you come to college without a pencil? That's right. terrible. What's wrong with you? Do you know where you are? Because of that attitude, I'm up here, you're down here, I'm better. And Rather than just handing you the pencil mm-hmm. and being done with it, I gotta I gotta beat you up because the problem isn't me. It's not about me. It's you. How dare you come to me, such a smart, you know, title driven person without a pencil? That's ridiculous. So I think for a lot of adults, that's why we because it's we don't want to you know we we get to beat people up when we can sit in a problem that that we think has nothing to do with us. I think for, you know, young people in this situation, the athlete, 
you know, I think it's a lot of times not, it, we, we, we make it about ourselves, right. you know, that, so, so it's, it's opposite of that. It's the, the ego, I'm, the ego kicking in. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And I, you know, or, or I'm something's wrong with me, mm. you know, like I'm, I'm dumb, I'm broken, I'm something. And so something's wrong with me. And so there is no solution because right. it's me. Okay. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm just broken. And so we can't, we can't open up our, our space enough to see that it's, that there is a solution, right. you know, right. because we think, well, I was just born this way, you know? Yeah. And, and it, ta- <laughs> and it, well, and I think it takes the right t- empathy, I think is one of the yeah. keys here, right? To take. Now I want to ask you as we get close to wrapping up overwhelm, because that's a, I, I talk about this a lot in my work is like overwhelm. There's like three elements of it. There's overload, over choice and over commitment. Right. But overwhelm is one of those things that kind of, it, it, it can, it's there. It's always bubbling under the surface and it loves to show up, especially when you have a choice to make or when you when it's game time or when it's like or when it's not game time, when in between those big hyper moments where it's like, uh, you know, OK, the, the you know, you've got a game this week, you've got a game next week or you've got like a, a, a big project this week or another big project like down the line and overwhelm can kind of be there because you're thinking about all this stuff. I'm going to use you as an example. So you've got. Courtney Cox involved in a project on your life, which, and you bring this up very early, (laughs) very early on in the book. That's gotta be, how do you keep that from like all the things going on? You've got a book launch. You're still getting a lot, you know, you still got a lot of uh, notice around the, 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 you know, the show on Netflix, you, uh, which by the way, they're in like what season five now. So we're talking like, you know, you're you're from the early days of the episode of the show where the old Netflix logo shows up when you first yeah. streaming it instead of the new <laughs> one. But then you've got this 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 you know I'll put in air quotes biopic like this story that that's being developed. How in your situation, how do you deal with the overwhelm of just not just the 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 amount of things that are going on, but there's a gravitas to them too. That's, that's at a pretty high level that you think would help someone who maybe isn't, you know, getting a biopic made or have all that press. Like there is some transferability there. So how do you deal with that? Well, I think for me, I don't get too high. Don't get too low. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't get overly excited. You know, people, I think everyone else is way more excited right now about this scripted series. And, and, and and believe me, I love Courtney Cox. I love Michael Strahan, but my excitement level is still right here in the middle because I've had, I've, you know, I've had other things in development that have crashed and burned. And so, you know, you know, in writing the book, I, I was, the, the day it came out, you know, that my family and friends were super excited. I was about here, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's like, why are you not overjoyed? <laughs> eh, Cause I mean, you're managing I've expectations. Just, <laughs> I've learned that I don't get too high. And then when you don't get too high, you don't get too low because you don't see things as a crash and burn. You see things as, you know, okay, this didn't work out. Something else will. And so I think I just kind of always stay, try to stay. My expectation level is about right here for all things, you know, and what have you nothing's done? ever super exciting or super disappointing. So what have you done to do that? Because I think a lot of people would love to be able to feel that. Like there's this, this, this idea of that seems like a very reasoned stoic approach to things, which is like Ryan Holiday talks about this kind of stuff in his work. And I think it's, it's a, I mean, I really try meditation, I think is one thing that helps me with it. And just this sense of, but I also think, and, and maybe you can speak to this is that if you, chase opportunities consistently and some of them don't work out, you get kind of, I wouldn't say numb, but the immunity level, the ability to kind of go, okay, on to the next, on to the next sticks out. So for somebody who's like, wow, I'd really love to be able to react that way to that. What are some thoughts that you have around that? Because I think a lot of people could benefit from that because I think a lot of people spend too much at one end of the spectrum or the other. Yeah. I think for me, I've learned that platform doesn't equal success. TV show doesn't equal success. Mm. Book doesn't equal success. And I think before the show came out, I sat at my desk in Scuba, Mississippi, thinking, oh, I'm about to have this Netflix show come out, and it's all going to come to me. Like, I'm going to sit back here and put my feet up, and everything's going to land in my lap because I'm on Netflix. And it didn't happen. I mean, (laughs) you know, it didn't happen. I didn't make any money. I didn't get all these opportunities. Like, I just kind of... and. 
you know, I was given a platform mm. and I was given a platform where I could create opportunity right. and I could create work, but the work was still going to have to be done. And the only person that could do it was me. And so, you know, the platform doesn't equal success. The job title doesn't equal success. The dollar amount doesn't equal success. The city that you are dying to move to isn't going to equal success. The relationship isn't going to equal success. No matter what that thing is that you think is going to be the end-all, be-all, it's not. Because the reality is you're still going to have to work to make it work. You know, just because I was on Netflix... You know, yeah, some people knew people know my name that would have never known my name. Some, you know, I, the doors may have been open for me because I was on Netflix, but I had through them, and I had to, you know, find the key, create the key, open the door, walk through it, do the work. And so, I, I you know, I just don't have that attitude anymore that there's just going to be this quick fix and like someone's gonna, you know, it's just gonna all fall into place. I, I realize that it will only fall into place and it will only work and it will only be successful if I am maxing out effort. And there are just some things that aren't as important to me anymore because I don't want to put that much effort into them. You know, (laughs) I don't want to, there's just some things that I'm willing to work for. And then there's some things that I'm just not willing to work for. And so, you know, it all kind of, it's perspective, I think. Um, And it's not, I didn't have this perspective before, before the show. If you had told me before the show that all of this was going to happen, I would have thought that I was just going to sit back and like it was all going to come. You know, mm-hmm. I would have had no idea that it meant that I had to work my tail off for five years you know, to yep. get, get all this. <laughs> I, and, and, and it's the illusion. I think there's a lot of illusion there for people who are like they don't see what goes on behind the scenes. They just see the success no. story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They don't, and they don't see the rejection. No, because that's not sexy. <laughs> that's not right. the sexy stuff. I mean, the the reality is there's been other TV shows in the works, mm. you know, and 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 they, I, there's been rejection, and there's been others, you know. There's there were there was a lot of pitches to a lot of publishers, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, I mean, they don't see all of the the rejection and the disappointment and the hard work. They just see this. You know, yeah. they just see my Instagram and they're like, man, she's got it made. Yeah, yeah it, it, it is. It is. It's it's interesting because when you think about the news cycle, a lot of bad news shows up. That's what tends to dominate news. It would be almost interesting to see. But then you see the success stories like this person did this, this person like that's the bright spots. I almost would also love to see like, you know. Uh, Mike Vardy get uh, rejected by book deal, like for the yeah. fourth time, like instead of, you know, here's the book deal. No one announces. I actually think it would be refreshing <laughs> instead of right. for every book deal you get like, well, turn down again today. Yep. Like, and, and not just like a social media pithy update, but like a newsletter or blog post. Like, you know, when you get those blog posts that announce it, like I got a book deal in here and I'm, I've done it. It'd be great to say, you know, like, Hey, guess what? Got rejected again for a book deal. Don't worry. You're also going to hear the announcement when I get a book deal, but expect at least 20 of these before you get to the one that and I, I think that would be a way to go because then it, 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 it tempers expectations because I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. And as we wrap up, I want to ask you one final question. I tend to ask this to, to guests that I have a conversation with. If when someone picks up this book and they read next chance to you and they want to take, they go through the book and they're like, you know what, where, what do I do? What's the simple? And you talked about this earlier. Like you, you read a book and you're like, okay, what do I do now? I want you to tell the listener right now, what's one simple single action they can take when they're done reading this book. That's going to, that's going to give them some impact, whether small or big, it's going to, they're going to notice it. Um, you know, especially if they take the time to chronicle it, like you mentioned in the book, but what's one simple action they can take today. Put your phone down. (laughs) (laughs) That is simple. Not easy, but simple. It's easier than you think it is. (laughs) It's actually really easy. Pick it up and put it down. (laughs) You know, I think that I, I, it's chapter one and, and it's chapter one for a reason. We are not showing up for our own lives. Like we are going through the motions. We are checking the boxes we are like a well-oiled machine just getting up and going through these emotions every day and not, we don't know how we feel. 
We don't know how we think about it. We don't know why we do it anymore. We're just doing it. We, we don't even know. If you ask people, what are you putting effort towards today? What part of your life are you putting effort towards? There's a lot of people that couldn't even answer that question. We don't even know anymore what the areas of our lives are and what we're actually putting real effort towards making work. And I think that's where you start. Like, put your phone down. Put, put the limitation. If you don't have the discipline to do it yourself, go into your settings and put, put the, go to screen time and limit how much you can look at social media and be on your phone and then put it down and sit where your feet are. Be where your feet are. Sit down in a seat and be where your seat is <laughs> and be present in that exact moment. Show up for that exact moment and think like, how do I feel? How does this, how does family dinner sitting around the table make me feel? How, you know, what, and, and just think about like, your life and what makes you happy in that moment and what doesn't. And we don't do it. We don't do it because we are constantly, you know, scrolling. Yep. Consumption <laughs> mode. You know, uh, actually last point, because as you mentioned this, it, it brought something to, I, I mentioned this to my daughter uh, a few days, well, more than a few days ago, but I've, I know I've brought it up a couple of times. Um, and I, before we hit record, I, I mentioned that she overheard you on my TV last night. I'm like, who's, wow. <laughs> There's like one, one, one white lady amongst all these athletes, and I'm like, yeah, she's kicking ass. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm sure as a parent, uh, you know, you have those moments, and I mean, I'm I'm a father, so I'm coming at it from a, you know a different perspective to a degree. But there's moments where my daughter or my son, when we're having conversations, my brain, I'm in the moment, but then my brain cycles back to that moment where I'm walking through the hospital carrying them, or I remember like certain moments, and I'm like, oh my goodness, where that person that's having a an articulate, almost adult like conversation with me. I wandered through the hallways singing John Mayer songs too. On the, and it's just that moment. I get goosebumps right now just thinking about it. That moment of fascination of how so fast time goes when you – even when you pay attention, it still yeah. flies by pretty quickly. I'm sure you probably have moments that are very similar, especially – and I think almost when that happens in the throes of the frenetic pace of life – that to me is almost like a signal like, whoa, stop for a second. And not only pay attention to the rest of this conversation and maybe circle back and say, sorry, Grace, I, lo I got lost in a second while I was thinking about carrying it. And she goes, okay, dad, you're a weirdo. Um, <laughs> but though, there are those moments, right, where, where you should – and I think it's just the way the brain works where you catch yourself and – Act on that as opposed to just letting it slide by and go, oh, my God, time moves back by so quickly. Oh, well, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you have those moments, right? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, I, you know, there's days where I, I I did have someone give me very good advice when my daughter, my daughter's 13. And when she was a baby, someone said, be very careful because you're, you're going to find yourself wishing for the next stage. Mm -hmm. You know, you're changing diapers and not getting sleep. And you find yourself saying, like, I just can't wait till they sleep through the night. Yep. And then they sleep through the night. And then I can't wait till they can walk and do things for themselves. And then it's, I can't wait until they sit down. You know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're constantly kind of wishing for the next stage. And I had someone tell me, don't do that. Like, stop yourself when you, because it will be gone and you will be wanting to go back to the first stage again when it's gone. And I was always very aware of that when I would, when I would be sitting there thinking like, I wish I, I don't want to change another diaper, you know, and then I would stop myself and be like, oh no, but there will be a day where I don't have any to change. And so it's, it's, a, it's a conscious decision. And now at 13, I'm finding myself Gosh, I can't, you know, I, I, oof, I'm ready for you to drive. And, and you yeah, know, that's, and then, that's a whole thing. Trust me. <laughs> I'm, all I'm doing is taxiing you around. But, but I, I stop myself and go, no, because when, because then I'll miss the heck out of you. Yeah. I'll wish I was in the car with you trying, you know, trying to get you to tell me about your day. And again, it's a, it's, it's, it's work. I mean, it's a practice. And then, and I've had 13 years to practice it with her of just actually being in, the moment with her. And now I'm flipping the script on her and saying, Hey, put your phone down. 
<laughs> yeah. Put your phone down and talk to your mother. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 it's a practice. For well, sure. and what's fast? What what what's first off? Number number one, I guess. Last thing, if someone's struggling with this, you already gave the elastic trick. So if you need to do that, just snap the do elastic. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 such a uh, man. I mean, it, it's such an interesting thing because it's also the long game, right? Like you don't get the payoff every single day when you do that either. Like it's not like, you know, and again, it's the difference. I mean, this is a very, very uh, reductive comparison, but it's like the difference between writing a blog, social media, blog post, book, social media, instant gratification. I did it. Check uh, blog post. Oh, it took me a bit longer, but I did it. The book no, 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 no. That's like a marathon. You're not going to get the payoff until it's like out. And like anything else, like with your kids, I mean, I, you, you practice that, you spend time with them. They're not going to thank you every single day. They're not going to be like, oh, thanks for being. But one day they're going to say like, you know what? Uh, and, and even if they don't, the reward is in and of itself, but it's the long game. It's not like, you know, oh, I can check off the box that I, that I, you know, did that. It's, it's, I think we, you're right. I think we get obsessed with checking off as many boxes as possible instead of wondering if these are boxes we should be checking off in the right. first place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Brittany, and this- I think the athletes taught me that honestly, yeah. you know, I think the athletes were the ones that taught me before my daughter was born about, you know, that I, I'm not going to always be, be thanked, you know, they're not going to always like me and not always going to be appreciated, but it's the long, keep going. Cause one day they'll look back and go, wow, I'm sure I'm glad that lady invested in me. The book is called next chance. You tools, tips, and tough love for bringing your a game to life. Brittany, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. Where can people pick up the book and keep up with you? You can keep up with me on Instagram, Twitter, Brittany underscore MS girl, Facebook fan page, Brittany Wagner, or I have a website, BrittanyWagner.com. Um, people can buy the book anywhere that books are sold. If the book does, if you walk in a place and they don't have it, ask for it. But Amazon, um, there's also, it's also available in an audible version and I narrate it myself. So you get the good old Southern accent reading it to you. Nice. Um, so Yeah. Awesome. Brittany, thanks so much for having a productive conversation with me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Big thanks to Brittany for joining me on the program. If you want to check out everything that we talked about, get some links, all that fun stuff, go to productivityist.com slash podcast 412 and you'll get all of that and so much more. You'll be able to directly visit our podcast sponsors page from there as well. All you need to do, if you want to go there directly and to support some of the sponsors you listen to on today's program, just go to productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors. Another way to support the show is subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Just hit the subscribe button. That way you can easily search through the archives, find all of our past episodes, and you won't miss a single episode, including the one that's happening next week, which is where we're going to talk about love as a business strategy. Yes, Muhammad Anwar and Chris Peter are going to be joining me for that. You don't want to miss that. Until then, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.